Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Cast, you are joined by uh, me. I'm Tony, and Russ is here with us after a week out. You're back, bro. Welcome back. Back, man. I'm back. I'm alive. I'm breathing. Sun shining. There's still clutter everywhere. I'm still dealing with a house project, but I'm back. But, but it's better. It's not as yeah. cha- it's not as chaotic. You actually you you had space and time to to podcast this week yes yep very true that's good true. man welcome back good to, good to have you back here um i know that uh, last week we did a we did a replay of one of our favorite episodes one of our most listened to episodes and um definitely definitely worthy of a of a repeat but it's it's always good to be back in studio yeah man yeah, there's something there's something fun about it. Ain't gonna lie. People are like, why yeah, do you man. guys podcast? I'm like, because it's fun. Because it's fun to catch up and get on here and dice up some scriptures and unveil all of our inadequacies, <laughs> celebrate the goodness of, of God in the midst of them, and yeah, and just encourage people. Yeah, man, for sure. So uh, pre-show, we were kind of talking, you know, we have, we have house, each of us have house stuff going on, but it's very different. Yours was forced upon you by a natural disaster. Mine was forced upon me by two teenage boys who can't share a room anymore. So I'm hmm. converting my lower level into a bedroom for uh, my wife and I, so that my boys don't uh, fist fight uh, every month from sharing a yeah. bedroom. Yeah, dude, uh, come to think about it, though, I think having to remodel a room because of two teenage boys living together um, does constitute a natural disaster. (laughs) Well, testosterone is is very natural and it tends to cause disaster. So, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. So before we dive into this next conversation in John nine. Um, Because we're continuing in our conversation through the Gospel of John. That's what we've been doing for the last uh, good number of podcasts here on the LARCast. There's a number of things coming up and things people can jump into, uh, LARC-related, LARC-community-related. And just tease some of that out for us, man. Let everybody know what's going on. Yeah, thanks, man. I'll I'll do it quickly. We got the the Reclaim cohort that we announced uh, actually did really well. Uh, We were hoping to get one started and wound up with basically two that filled up. So people, man, coming out of the woodwork with just a desire to not just know they're free, but to be able to help others live free right where they are. So one way I like to describe it is if you've ever wanted to relearn Christianity as a life of grace and the church as the way of friendship, that that's this. And so people signed up, they came out, man. And so those are going right now. That's pretty awesome. Shout out to that. Uh, two, we um, Fallen and Free Conference is coming up. That's something that a friend of ours, Tullian Chavijan, has started. It's going to be held in Jupiter in February. 
Um, honored to be able to speak at this conference. It's definitely centered around what does it really mean to grab onto grace and just to be able to live in that transparency, man, in your life and in your story from it. So if you're interested in that, by all means, check out, I think it's fallenandfree.com. So that's nice. just another little quick announcement. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. Um, I'm probably like 95% sure I'm going to be there. So if you want to come kick it with us at that conference, um, come on. I'm sure yeah. we'll have plenty of time to <laughs> sneak some food, drink, and cigars and laps in. Yeah, that's that's gonna. I think it's gonna be our part. We're gonna kind of be hanging out in the lobby and just saying to everybody like, "Hey, conference only lasts for so long." Um, but the party, man, that's what we're really all here for. So I'm getting I'm getting balls all drunk, dude. That's my that's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Me and wow. Me. My my goal is my goal at the end of the fall to free conference is to have very compromising pictures with myself and boss all on my phone. <laughs> which leads into my next quick announcement, which is fundraising <laughs> <laughs> and how we can use these things to extort dollars <laughs> to empower the spread of God's you know, scandal. If we grace. could if we could stop extorting people for money so that we could continue doing ministry, that'd be great. So please legitimize our ministry by just <laughs> donating money so we don't have to blackmail people anymore. This this will be good and pleasing unto the Lord. So, <laughs> but yes, on a serious note, um, it is fall. And one of the things that just as a nonprofit organization that is really committed to the spread of good news, the training of people, okay? And spending time with people, man, helping them really reframe their, you know, reframe their stories and good news, reach out to neighbors. Um, and that takes time. And that time and that travel, right, that goes into that takes dollars. And that's how we do this work. So just with that commitment, man, to just keep doing this work and to be able to offer it for free, uh, the resources, the relationships, man, that comes through a collective of generous givers. Yes. So if you've been blessed by the Lark cast, if you've gone to the Lark site and found courses and primers and other things that we've been able to put out, um, please, by all means, join us in this. Go to the give page at larksite.com. You can give, and we have people who give $10 a month to people who give a, a lot, a lot more than that. Um, 10 million. From a sacrificial. <laughs> no, that would be nice if that's you. That would, that would be amazing. Um, standpoint, but. I mean, every, every dollar counts, man. So. Yes. And shout out to those who have been supporting us from day one and those oh, who have been supporting us for one day. Um, yes. We love and appreciate all of you. Thank you uh, for giving to this. Okay. John chapter nine. Um, what I found is like, it's, it's, it's challenging going through John's gospel and like reading all these passages and like sometimes the bigger story and what's going on gets kind of like lost and like, you know, just reading every single, every single passage. And there's a lot we want to get to a lot we want to say. And so in John nine, I'm just going to kind of tee up the story. Hmm. I'm just going to tee up kind of like the scene going on here. And then we're just going to kind of cherry pick some of the more um, important passages, um, noteworthy passages as the conversation goes on but this is a pretty popular one here in john 9 because it's jesus healing 
of the man who was born blind, which back in the day, born blind was a killer uh, Christian hardcore uh, band. Um, I used to have this born blind. It was like this back when um, hardcore kids were wearing uh, basketball jerseys. And it was born blind in dice, dude. It was it was like born blind in, in dice and had like the tattoo letters and, and everything. Dude, I rocked that thing till it till it died, till like I had to throw it away. Um, mm. but um if you've been around the conversation at all in the scriptures, or if you've even attended church with your grandparents or even as a kid or whatever, most likely you've heard this story. It's a pretty, a pretty famous one. And there's a line from the song Amazing Grace. Uh, you know, where it, it derives that from, you know, this, this passage. And yeah. so the scene starts off with Jesus. He is, um, it, it's getting pretty hot and heavy with his uh, relationship with the Pharisees, not in a sexual way. Usually we bring up hot and heavy like that. And this is definitely going to get edited out because this is really just like, you know, kind of <laughs> took a really, really bad turn right here. <laughs> Jesus relationship with the Pharisees is getting pretty, it's pretty intense, man. And they, as already noted, they, they want to kill him. They want him gone. And they are not only, not only are they unbelieving, they're doubling down the unbelief. And now all of a sudden they're becoming blind in this unbelief, Mm -hmm. which is a really interesting contrast in this story, but Jesus, it's the Sabbath. And as you know, Jesus and the Sabbath, right. It's been the backdrop like since john five of his healing of a man who was born lame um and they're so bent out of shape that he would do this thing on the sabbath so now in john chapter nine there's another healing and this is also on the sabbath and so jesus at this point he's being very intentional (laughs) to pick fights with these guys and really escalate the action If you have this idea of Jesus as this like passive, just kind of like, "Eh, I'm just kind of minding my own business, not really like causing any waves or troubles or anything. Nope. Here's Jesus again with another healing intentionally on the Sabbath. Okay. So Jesus is definitely, definitely in the mix and escalating things. So here's this guy. He's born blind from birth and um, Jesus comes to him and he heals him and he uses these very kind of like natural means to do it. He spits into the ground, makes mud, covers his eyes, and the man, his sight is restored. And stop me if you've heard this one, but instead of the entire community and city, right, and village or, you know, wherever they are, they're this guy's community, instead of, instead of toasting and celebrating the fact that this guy can now see there's a religious trial and a religious investigation. Yeah, man, you come out of, what is it coming out of eight? You have this scene where Jesus is going head to head with the, with the religious leaders. And he's, and he just tells them, man, before Abraham, you know, I am, you know, that it was me, the, the maker, the sustainer of all things, right. the writer of the law that you're pointing to it's me. And so I think just coming out of that, and then you see Jesus then intentionally healing this man on the Sabbath. And the thing to me where I don't, I don't know why, man, but in my mind, like looking at this whole story, it didn't so much go to Jesus doing this again, which we've already seen right in, in John chapter five and, and on. And it didn't even go to like the blind man or his family, which I think there's some important pieces for us to get into on that. The thing that really hit me was 
the 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 attention that the religious leaders put on this and why they begin to engage in the conversation. Yeah. Because here, it's not so much this pushback about the Sabbath at first, right? It's the initial, the initial thing that's going on here is, why was this man born blind? Mm. You said before Abraham was you, so you clearly know more than we do. So let's spin this, this whole situation and tell us, tell us uh, why he was born blind. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like this sort of karma-esque, you know what I mean? Religious understanding of the world. These guys are so convinced that God works like karma. He works in this way of punishing those that need to be punished and letting go those who didn't and letting people off over here because they did this penance work over there. And so the whole idea of a Messiah coming to right the world through his own cross doesn't make sense when your religious view of how God operates in the world is like karma. Yeah. John chapter nine kicks off with it's seeing a man born blind what you're referring to well who sinned this guy or his parents that he would be like this and it is kind of crazy that like they just kind of like blatantly just say it like that you know like whose fault they want to just point a finger at that and it's like we do the we do the same thing you know now but it's Mm -hmm. a little bit more subtle yeah and you wonder if like just their whole the whole thing really just stems down to there's no room for mystery with these guys. There's no room for a God who works in mystery because just the religious nature and its desire for control, it, it needs mastery. We need to be able to master everything, every thought, every act, every feeling, everything. And if we can master these things and we can avoid suffering, we can know why they're suffering over here. We can avoid this over here and punish, right? These people over there. And <laughs> It's like, there's this whole thing that's going on and it just, for me, that was just stood out for the first time, man, I guess is what well, I'm getting at. I've never really honed in on that in this chapter before. Yeah. And I think that we should dive a little bit more into that as a framing thought for this. And I, I like how you're framing it. Um, mastery, right. Grabbing yeah. hold of your religion, grabbing hold of your own destiny um, and where you are, where you're not is in control and it's, it's in your hands. Um, whereas faith forces us to look outside of ourselves and to trust and rest in someone, someone else. It's the opposite of control. It's the opposite of having all the answers. I guess that's why these dudes ended up with like hundreds of additional laws when they started with 10, right? And it's like, here's 10. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we have 500, you know, different things you can't do, which is why they're uh, that religious impulse that mastery you're talking about is why they're so bent out of shape of Jesus actually doing something miraculous on the actual Sabbath. And I love this because they keep pressing this dude, like who healed you, like line them all up, right? Almost like a, you know, like you see in the the movies, you know, line them up and, and point out, put numbers above their head and point them out. And it's like, bro, I was blind when this happened. Like, I, I didn't see his face. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Since I was born this way and I don't even know what a face is. <laughs> It's probably not going to never remember anything in my life. And you're wanting me to point someone out in all of freaking Jerusalem. This is the first time I'm seeing any of these people. 
well, that one looks a little different than that one. (laughs) (laughs) So crazy. So they're just like, they will not stop harassing these people. And the parents get involved and you can just see the fear, the fear with the parents, uh, with the Pharisees. And so, man, it's like, if you, I get it. Like reading the gospels, you might be like, dang, man, like, why, why are these people so fearful? Like of this thing? And like, why are they so fearful of like being thrown out of the synagogue and, and losing their, you know, kind of like standing with this, this group, like screw these people, man, like move on to a different community. And I think one of the things you have to understand is like, this was the only community. This was it. It's not like today where you have like a myriad of different Facebook groups and different subcultures and all kinds of different groups and things that you can kind of like, you know, dive into. This was it, man. This was absolutely it. And um, to be removed from this community, to be kicked out of this community meant everything. And so you, you feel that fear, you know, with the parents in particular as we're going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause it's like this guy's brought to the religious leaders for wisdom as to how this happened. Okay. And, and they immediately dismiss it because it happened on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. All this happened on the Sabbath. He's clearly not from God. This is clearly right. not from God. Even though we've already said that this is impossible without God, <laughs> this is now clearly not from God because it happened outside of the realm of what we think we can control. And you're right, right? The parents get brought into it, man. And in the scriptures, like if you look in John chapter nine, in, in, in other passages, you see this like order that's gone forward from the religious leaders that anyone who was aligning with Jesus being the Messiah, with him being the Christ, was put out of the synagogue. And you're, you're right in the sense that that was to lose everything. Mm-hmm. And so you almost feel bad for the parents here. Because on one hand, they're staring at a son who was born blind in a culture where they were taught that he, that their son is blind, was born mm-hmm. this way. Okay. Because of some sin in their life, that there's something that's gone on that they've done. That's resulted in this. This is the thinking man. Yeah. And so they don't even have a chance to even rejoice over this dude. Mm-hmm. They're immediately staring down the barrel of, Hey, if you attest this to this being the work of God, therefore Jesus must be God in the flesh here in and among us, Mm -hmm. you're going to lose your entire livelihood, your business over, man, your friend circle over the parties, the gatherings, the festivities that you've known your whole life gone. Everything you've ever known, man, pulled out from underneath your feet. You're a pariah now in a community. Dude, religion ruins everything, man. Oh, bro. It's just it just sucks. Like, look at this. brutal. Like, not only the, the framing idea of like, well, who sinned, this guy or his parents? And for his yep. parents to carry the shame their entire life, like to introduce their son to people. And the first mm-hmm. thought you can see what's going through their head is like, hmm, what did you do here? Right? And maybe they don't yep. say it, but they can like see it on their, their face. So they're carrying the shame. And all of a sudden there's this like awesome thing like amazing thing and they can't even enjoy it for a single second they find themselves right in the middle of a religious interrogation threatened with the removal of you know good standing in the community that they want to be a part of yeah 
it's all because of the hatred that these guys have for this dude and the love of mastery of their religion yep yeah it made me kind of like feel for the for the parents for sure feel for this dude who's like being able to see for the first time in his life you know what i mean he's probably just wanting to you know connect with the person who actually did this and you know, all this, all this is going down. And I started thinking about it and then just kind of making a few notes. It, it, I wrote down this, this thought, religion robs freedom, religion robs freedom because baked into it is a need for interrogation before celebration. Mm-hmm. It's baked into it. All right. It's in everything. And it, I feel like it works threefold and I'll, I'll make this quick. First, there's the internal interrogation that we go through on every matter of what we think, of what we feel, of what we do, what we say, what we don't say, what we don't do. There's a constant internal interrogation that goes on in us through this this religious filter of what we're supposed to be in the name of God. And it just we're interrogating ourselves, so to speak. So it's our our own kind of yeah internal trial that we run ourselves through (laughs) and we do it all the time like something beautiful happens right and we don't understand it so there's a there's a it's there's a mystery to it which is what you see in this chapter something beautiful can happen and instead of being able to immediately celebrate it the religious nature in us is drawn first to interrogating it and it, I don't feel like it ends there because you see even in this passage that, you know, the interrogation, you know, we, that we'll bring, that we'll go through with fellow believers, man, when we bring up something the Lord's done. I mean, how many times have you seen somebody try to celebrate something that they felt like God did or, or celebrate something they felt like that, that the Lord revealed to them and watched like a group of fellow, you know, quote unquote, believers around them immediately interrogate every, every word, every nuance in that mm-hmm. before they could even just celebrate. Mm-hmm. Even if the, even if what the, they were saying was completely foreign to what's in the scripture, at least there's a searching and a seeking that's going on here. Oh, we can't even celebrate be, that. You just be sitting there, you know, looking for little, you know, bad, bad. You hang on <laughs> to the most minutia of bad theology. I'm like, oh yeah, that testimony was you great. Said I get in there. I get they're all excited. I get I get they're all excited about this really cool thing that happened in their life, but man, when that microphone was in their hand, they said that one thing, you know, that yep. one thing that was just slightly, slightly off the, uh, you know, <laughs> the orthodoxy track there. And I had to just really cling to that thing and staff meeting yep. on Tuesday to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. That and the, and the, the, the pause between the end of that testimony and the first guitar chord was about six seconds too long. Yeah, I get really this person's through, never really been on a stage the ever off. in their life. They can really <laughs> stick to our, uh, you know, our planning center uh, notes and timeline we have here. Clearly, there's a pile of them on the front row. Next time, yep. grab one, maybe, so that you can, you know, have a better transition between first and second service. That would be fantastic. Yeah. But here's where, here's the thing that I never thought of, though, until now. There's a third interrogation that goes on. And it, it this is what's crazy. This interrogation goes on even among the crowd that says there is no God. Or if there is, I don't know who he is. And that interrogation, I think, happens when we start to share what we've found, what we've discovered. 
about Jesus, right? We go out into the world and we start to share like what we're learning, what we're seeing, and we get interrogated, right? By people around us who are hanging on to other forms of religion, whether it be politics or, right, the gym or, you know, whatever it is that they've ascribed themselves to for meaning. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that interrogation can even start to really dampen this sort of joyful celebration in us and sharing, man, I once was lost, I was, right? I was blind, but now I see. Mm -hmm. I don't know what all happened. I don't know how it all happened. It's a mystery, mm -hmm. okay? And so I know when I share this with people, people want mastery because human nature wants control. That's why we love religion. Mm -hmm. And so when you bring a story of mystery to people who want mastery, you're gonna get interrogated. Mm -hmm. And not just among the believing crowd, you'll even get interrogated among the non-believing crowd. And it sort of really just kills, right? Just that religious desire for control in us and around us. It just, it takes every celebration and turns it into an interrogation. Yeah. And it's just sad, man. It's true, but it's sad. There's a rabbit hole I want to go down. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but it's like, I remember the interrogation or just, you know, just sitting back with arms folded and you would have, you know, friends that don't believe And the, the idea was like, well, they're separated from God, you know, God's off in the distance, his arms are folded, his eyebrows down, and he's super pissed at these people, like they need to believe so that his wrath is deterred, you know, from mm -hmm. them. And then you come to, you know, read the scriptures and you're like, man, for in him, we all live and breathe and move and have our being like Jesus is our life. You know, then you go yep. even a little bit farther into the gospel of John. It's like, and in this day, you will know that I'm in you and you're in me. It's like, well, Jesus isn't far from these people at all. In the entire yep. time, you're trying to complicate the good in their life. You're trying to, you need to kind of do pretzel theology to get around, like why these good things are happening. Instead of just being like, dude, yes, I celebrate this goodness in your life. <laughs> and I actually know the one who's good that, I, that it, this is pointing to. And I just want to be your friend till the end and constantly point there and not be a religious asshole. You know, like I wish I would have played it like that, <laughs> right. like a long, long time ago. And it's yep. like, dude, I would have a bigger stone to throw at these Pharisees if I wasn't one, if I wasn't one for a good portion, you know, right. of my life. But one of the things I love about this passage is at the end, you know, Jesus said, this is the reason I've come, you know, well, one is great because this dude, his life goes from like, you know, he, he has this moment that's like amazing and he gets to celebrate it for like a second. And, 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 and it gets just really, really bad with this interrogation. Mm -hmm. And he has these amazing lines, read John nine, please. Right. We're oh, running dude. out of, we're running out of time here. And I don't want to go over a half hour because I don't want to get yelled at by, um, by certain people on our, our team who will go unnamed their initials are Jameson, but, um, <laughs> I, um, he he's he's like why are you he, the, the boy, guy born blind is like why are you asking me all these questions about this guy do you want to be this guy's disciple too he go they're like you were born in utter sin and you're gonna teach us it's like dude, <laughs> who relax, was it relax <laughs> bro relax like these guys have zero chill zero chill so anyways they just get discarded they end up like getting booted yeah. out of the the community and it's really cool because jesus hears about this finds out about it and seeks this guy out and reveals himself like the guy gets kicked out of 
it's everything he's ever known because of the unbelief of people who practice religion and yeah. Jesus then seeks them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so Man, good. never with that. The whole podcast could be about that point <sighs> right there. Yeah. So Jesus comes and finds this, this guy and he reveals himself, not for the first time. I mean, like facially he's able to recognize him, but he's already, this guy's already met Jesus in his healing. And, um, you know, he's talking to him and it's like the Pharisees are kind of like around the corner, like listening in, they, they, they finally butt in, you know, and he's like, Oh, like, you know, you're saying that, you know, that we're blind. And he goes, listen, man, like, here's why I came, you know, this is why I came. I came that those who think that they see now, right? No, he goes, I came so that those who are blind may see. So now he's yep. going beyond this kind of like very physical, like real, like one for one literal healing. He goes, I came so that those who are blind may see. And for those who think they see that they might become blind. And I love what Jesus is doing because if you're on the outside looking in, you can see a lot of religious activity or even religious sentiments or conversation and, and stuff like that. And you might think, oh, this person is like, a, this person's like a follower of God. This person's a follower of Jesus. But not, not all that is really like true and real. Yeah. Like people are not necessarily like disciples of Jesus, like dialing in on like how he's described God. They're really more like these Pharisees. They're dialed in on like church and theology. Yeah. And like rule keeping, or as Jesus calls them, disciples of Moses, or even as these Pharisees are self-proclaimed disciples yeah. of Moses. Disciplines and, like, and rhythms and formulas yes, for how to the master mastery, the flesh. The mastery right? of it. And I love it because he's exposing what on the surface looks like we see. Yeah. We're not blind. But as Jesus further describes, just the the freedom, the celebration, the dance of God, the love of God for people, yep. their belief really turns out to be blindness. Yep. Yeah. He's it's looking cool at these dudes. He's looking at these dudes and, and just telling them, man, you know, exactly who I am. You know, exactly who I am. You know, how these works that I've been doing happen, you know, by, you know, by where they come from you reject me and you continually reject me. Um, and I think he's ultimately just saying to them, like, you just don't like me, man, because what I'm doing makes war on the imaginary lordship that you think you have of your life in the world around you. It's, it's Adam and Eve in the garden all over again, man. You see me and you refuse me. And he tells them your guilt remains right there at the end, your guilt remains because you do see who I am mm -hmm. and you refuse to accept my life for your life. Yeah. And so it's, he's like doing that simultaneous thing, right? He's helping the blind see, and he's, he's helping those who think they see realize, no, you're actually blind. And it's a very gracious thing. Like we sometimes see what Jesus is doing here and think that maybe he's being um, you know, offensive, you know what I mean? Like, God forbid, like that's such a, you know, a major thing right now. He's, he's being so direct, you know, what he's saying is just making them uncomfortable. And it's like, yeah, but it's the most loving thing he could do. 
he healed this guy on the Sabbath on purpose. On purpose. And he knew that that interrogation would go down, and he knew that they, that it seems like he knew this interrogation would, would result in them saying, we were, <clears throat> you know, because even the guy who was healed, dude, that guy goes to bat, you know what I'm saying, with the Pharisees. That guy calls them out on, you, you've never even seen Moses, but you've seen this, and yet you refuse to believe. And of course, the whole way that these religious leaders define and defend themselves is with the law. And again, it kind of goes back to what we saw earlier in the chapter. Religion wants mastery, not mystery. And so it will always appeal to the law that you think you can master. It won't appeal to grace. Mm. It will always point to the law that points to what is good, never the grace of God that says, yeah, I know what's good. I wrote it and I haven't changed it, but you've never, nor will you ever keep it. Mm. And that's why I've come to accept you in my son. That's the whole point of this law. That's where it was all leading to. And right. now it's right in front of you. Mm -hmm. And you refuse to see it because in your arrogance, you're blind. Mm -hmm. oh, yep. Dude. Imagine, imagine thinking you see. Right. Imagine taking pride in thinking you see and judging everyone your entire life from a standpoint that you see yep. but then all of a sudden jesus shows up whether in the form of a friend you know self-study however he reveals himself to you and you come to find out man you don't see shit <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you're the one who's actually blind and i think this is the kind of hard-hearted resistant unbelief that yeah. the scriptures refer to that kind of like unforgivable sin, so to speak, you know, yep. where it's like deep down, you know, you know, you know him, you know, the truth, like the person himself, yep. that is the truth. And for whatever reason, man, whether it's religious, cultural, social, you know, personal, that you just refuse to just kind of like humble yourself under that truth and trust and take whatever implications might come, you know, relationally, socially, culturally, whatever, you just like persist in that unbelief. And it's like, dude, if you want to go to hell, like that's not God's will. No, no at all. But it's mm -hmm. like, dude, if that's what you want to choose, if that's, you want to keep hardening your heart yep. towards him, who comes in with a message of no condemnation. If you want to choose condemnation, I think God will grant that request. Yeah. It seems to do it with his, like with his head hung, man. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Just this like sad look of a father who's going, why you refuse reality and, and want to live an eternity away from me just doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, but it also, and I think that's why Jesus called us to be like children, right? And if you want to follow me, become like one of these, he said. One of these children, the least, the last, the lost, the little in society. And we have in, in a culture that's so rooted in like the winner circle, right? Admitting that we're losers at this actual law that's in front of us is, is hard to do until you realize that no, being a child is all you ever needed to be. 
And what's crazy is what we see in this passage is being a child is also the only way you'll see. It's the only way you'll see is, is to let go and realize he's God hmm. and just recline, man, in that goodness. It's that, that's where we see, man. That's where we live. Amen. Well, our time is up. Good chat. John chapter nine and the healing of the man born blind. Cheers, my dude. Cheers to that, dude. Cheers to that. Till next time. The celebration of grace not the interrogation of the law. Don't be an asshole. Trust in Jesus. <laughs> oh, Till next time.